In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. When I see a man who has given up on the local church because someone hurt his feelings, I see a man who lacks grit. When I see an anonymous man who sits in church and hides behind his wife's skirt and never serves or gives, I see a man who lacks grit. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, in this episode we will hear from Jim Remo speaking at Boone's Chapel in Prattville, Alabama. Every so often, we will feature Jim speaking live at one of his events. At the end of the episode, go to meninthearena.org and pick up Jim's newest book, Strong Man, Dangerous Times, Five Essentials Every Man Must Possess to Change His World. Enjoy this episode. Dream big. I'll tell you, this is a great church with big dreams. It's an honor to be here this morning with you. My name is Jim Ramos, and I am out here from, wait for it, Oregon. Not Oregon, okay, just letting you know that. So had a great service this morning, had a great event with the men last night. If you missed that men's shrimp boil, that was amazing. I have learned some things about Alabama, and i got to be honest with you, I want to come back. I'll tell you what, this Koneka sandwich, or sausage, I make sausage, and this Koneka, whoa, baby. And when you cook those shrimp in that boil and the corn... Forget the shrimp. You get shrimp with the corn. You get shrimp and corn all in one bite. Oh, man, I was loving it. I was loving it. This has been a great week. I experienced, this is an oxymoron. It just feels like uh, sinful to me to, to say or eat corn salad. Oh, man, so good. And banana pudding, my first time. Somebody offered to cook me a possum earlier. I think they might have been joking. They were from Kentucky. Maybe they were serious. I don't know, man. Anyway, so it's an honor to be here with you guys today. And I want to tell you, this is a great church. I get to speak around with many churches, and this is a great church. My wife told me before I left, she's a flight attendant, and she said, be careful to shake a lot of hands. Don't be doing that. And I, I, man, I've shook about 100 hands. So if you give me COVID, you're going to have to pray. So, hey, I want to tell you one of the reasons I think this is such a great church. Yesterday before the men's shrimp boil... Jay Penton, who's the men's ministry leader, got in a little bit of a tiff with your pastor, Pastor Phil, because Pastor Phil insisted on cleaning all the toilets because they, they were dirty. 
That is what makes a great church, a great pastor, a pastor willing to clean. If you cannot clean the toilets and take out the trash, you should not be in ministry. You know, it's funny, on page 107 of this book, this is a book I wrote called The Man Card. Your church is getting ready to go through a series with, with the men of the church called The Man Card Series. And I mean men, I mean men who have chosen to be that. I'm not saying males. And this is, I don't know if you're a teenager, I don't know how old you are, but if you're going to be in this study, I'm going to do something, Jay, I'm going to do it. I thought about it, and I'm going to do it, and don't stop me. I have 35 of these books called The Man Card. I'm going to leave them in Alabama. I'm just going to give them to any guy who's getting involved in the men in the arena. So you have the book, The Man Card, you got the Man Card series, and you're ready to rock and roll. On page 107 of this book, I tell a story of a kid in my youth group who cleaned up a mess that an eighth grade boy left on the floor of the eighth grade bathroom. And in that, I talk about you cannot serve God unless you're willing to clean the dookie for the church. And man, you've got a great pastor And I'm just telling you, I'm just honoring him this morning. So he's willing to do whatever it takes from preaching the word of God to cleaning the toilets for you. And and I know he hates the fact that I'm saying this right now, which makes it all the sweeter for me. Because it's a great great way to honor your pastor. So I just want to thank you, pastor, for being the guy. I I know it's tough in ministry. I've been doing it for 30 years. And I honor you this morning. Thank you for that. So I'm going to, I do want to go through a quiz with you. I had prepared a message for today. And, I, and then I got a phone call saying, hey, we're doing this series called Dream Big, and is there any way you can weave it in? And I thought, you know what, I, not only will I weave it in, but I believe, I believe that this is the hinge point of any man or woman who wants to achieve their dreams. In fact, I was over at the Penton's house, and Dana Penton made me this corn salad. I told you about this. The ingredients are basically mayonnaise and corn. Basically, it's glorious. But she added a secret ingredient to the corn salad that made it unbelievable. And you can only add this ingredient for like 24 hours because then you got to throw the salad out because it only lasts about 24 hours. And the secret ingredient to the corn salad was crumpled chili cheese Fritos. And today's message is the chili cheese Fritos of the Dream Big series. This is the secret ingredient for you to achieve your dreams. You see, anybody can have a dream. Anybody can have a dream. Dreams mean nothing unless you're willing to capture them, unless you're willing to act on them and set goals to achieve them and work and fight and sweat and toil. So in preparing for this message, I watched a movie that I thought was very appropriate for today's sermon. In fact, this movie came out at first in 1969, so the 50th anniversary of 2019. It came out again in 2010, but I didn't like that version. I'll tell you why in a second. But I've got this this book here. I'm going to give 35 out to guys who are doing the, the Bible study, but any other person who gets this one, I'll give this book to, whether you're in a group or not. The star of this movie won his only Oscar. If you know, just scream it out. It is a Western movie. The star portrays an 1800s lawman, a real lawman by the name of, and you can't say this in church unless you say it this way, Heck Thomas is his name. Anybody got it? The star of the movie is named after a bird. Man, the eight o'clock's a little better than you guys. 
John Wayne. The movie is? Nope, nope. What's the movie? That's the sequel. What's the first one? True, true grit. And that, you know, so here's the deal. The 2010 version, don't go watch it. It's Jeff Bridges. He's got, he's a left-handed, he's a left-handed sheriff with a one guy, eye that's not there. And he's shooting a left-handed gun with a patch over his left eye. Now, anybody who knows guns knows you can't shoot with your right eye with the left hand. So I just said, forget it. It's Hollywood. I, I'm not going to watch anymore. So that's, that's me. True grit. It takes true grit to achieve your dreams. That is what we're talking about. Anybody can talk a big talk. Anybody can big, dream a big dream. But for you to achieve the marriage you've always wanted, to have the godly kids you've always wanted, to have the career you've always wanted, to make the kingdom impact you've always wanted, to be free of the sins and the brokenness in your life, you have to do more than dream big. You have to have this biblical virtue of endurance. I call it grit. Grit, the stubborn refusal to quit. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. And I want you to do something with me this morning. Today we're going to give you a win if you're struggling. An easy win for you if you need victory in your life and you're struggling to find and muster the grit. I want you to look at yourself in the mirror this morning and ask yourself this question. Do I have grit? Do I have in my character the biblical virtue of endurance that Jesus lived under and showed me? Am I a person of grit? And we live in a soft world of quitters. We applaud quitters. We excuse quitters. Well, I'm moving on to something different. How many of you guys got the speech from your parents? It's not your fault, son. We're getting a divorce. I'm moving on to something better. I want you to be honest, dig deep, and reclaim grit in your life in the name of Jesus. Refuse to quit. I've been, this, this uh, Valentine's we just had, I celebrated my wife. It was our 30th Valentine's as a couple. I mean, I looked, I posted a picture on social media. I had a full head of hair like Pastor Phil. I had a mustache that would make Tom Selleck cry. I was awesome. Man, I married this woman. I married an angel, and I woke up next to the devil. We had a rough run. But today I'm married to a woman who I love deeper than I've ever loved any person on the planet. She is the most important person on the planet to me. If I was not a believer, we both have said this, we would not be married today. But we have hung in there. Let me tell you something, love does not make a great marriage. Stubbornness does. Grit. It was through grit and stubbornness that we decided to love each other. And we fell in love the first three weeks of our marriage. In the last three decades, we've been rising into love, choosing to love, enduring love. And that is, we've achieved, a, we have a marriage that I think is a dream marriage because we have decided that we would live with the character and nature of Jesus. And he brought the nature and the character of endurance into our lives as we serve him. Endurance, grit, the stubborn refusal to quit. I'm going to talk to you this morning out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles as I pray. 
And uh, we'll look into what the Bible says about grit this morning and how do we use that in achieving our dreams. Father, we praise you this morning. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a great and awesome God. You are the God of comfort. You are the God of glory. You are the God who provides. You are the God who is good. You are the God of love. And you are the God of grit. And we worship you this morning. We praise you. God, I have worked hard on giving the best message I can today. But in the midst of that, I know that you still need to bail me out, that you need to come and anoint my words. And my prayer for this congregation this morning is that months from now, they would not remember who I am, but that I would be forgotten and that you would be the one on display today. And we want to give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start in verse 1 and give you context as we look into this thing called grit, the stubborn refusal to quit. Therefore, since we have such a great, a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of grace. Here's our teaching passage this morning. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here's what grit is not. Grit is not a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It is not there. It is not a spiritual gift. Grit is not one of the Ten Commandments. What grit is, however, is grit is an attribute of Jesus. It is a, a virtue of our Messiah. Grit is, by definition... The stubborn refusal to quit. You want to achieve your dreams? Don't throw in the towel. Be stubborn about God's call on your life. Be stubborn about obedience to Scripture. Pastor, you know what I've learned? You and I would agree. I'd love to have lunch with you someday. So that means you have to invite me back. Weak men and women don't make it. As Christians, they struggle and they limp along. It's when people pray and grab hold of this virtue of Jesus called endurance or grit or the stubborn refusal to quit. It's when that happens that that man or woman becomes a champion for God who achieves their dreams. The strongest men and women I know follow Jesus. Period. And if you look at history over and over again, we see strong men and women who followed Jesus, who had the characteristic of grit. Grit is the Apostle Paul telling young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 5, to endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Suck it up, buttercup. I added that part. I added that part. I like that part. He probably might have called him a snowflake. Grit is a hinge point. It's the hinge point of any man or woman who wants to achieve their dreams. It's the chili cheese Fritos on corn salad. 
If you want to get to your dreams, you have to have grit. Otherwise, you snap, you break, you break down, you give up, you throw in the towel. How do you know, Ramos? You're some speaker dude up here. In 2012, my wife and I felt called. God only has to speak to two people in my life. I need to hear from God. I need to hear from Shanna. God had called me to launch this ministry in about 2010 or 11 in one of the worst economies in American history. He asked me to target the most vilified gender in our society, men. He asked me to do ministry to the most under-budgeted people group in every church across the country, men. He asked me to write books, and I've written 11 books to the people who don't read books that 70% of Barnes & Noble's purchases are from women. Men don't read books. God tells me to write books. We had no severance, nothing. We launched this ministry from scratch. scratch. And two months after we launched the ministry, we missed our first house payment. Four months later, we missed our second house payment. Five months later, Bank of America started calling and sending us the letter, the yellow envelopes. Well, they started white, then they got to yellow. And when they got to pink, we started getting phone calls. Our house started going into foreclosure. I spent many nights heart pounding, rapid breathing, scared to death with my 12-year-old son. I didn't share this in the last service. My 12-year-old son, he's 23 now, saying, hey, Dad, I'll get a paper out so we can make the house payment. I'm launching a men's ministry on how to protect your family, and I've got a 12-year-old willing to do a paper route for me. Today, I stand before you. Jay Penton and I met because Jay is actually one of our arena coaches. He pastors 10,000 men on our Facebook forum for men. Last year, we had men from 122 nations. 122 nations download our podcast. As I stand here today, it's kind of a joke. I'm the only national coalition of ministries to men. It's the largest coalition of men's ministries in the world. 190 men's ministry organizations involved. I'm, the, I'm on the board of directors. I'm the only guy this side of Mississippi. It's really kind of a joke. God really has a sense of humor. Because I am not the smartest apple on the tree. But God has done that. And when you ask me, Ramos, how did that all happen? You're not that good. I say, I know. But because of God, and because of grit, Stubborn refusal to quit. God has used me. I'm humbled by it. It's actually funny to me. So I understand what it means to achieve your dreams. I believe, I believe in the next five years we're going to reach a million men with Jay Penton and me and a bunch of my redneck friends. Huh? How do you think those city slickers like that, Montgomery? Huh? Come on now. It's the stubborn refusal to quit that made my marriage what it is, that has taken our ministry to where it is. Do you think this church got here because of some flash-in-the-pan pastor? No, it got here because of the shoulders of pastors who bled and sweat and cleaned toilets to grow this great ministry. Every dream comes on the shoulders of grit. Grit is the redneck in a world of a bunch of city slickers. That's what grit is. It is boots on the ground. This biblical virtue of grit is often misunderstood. And I want to be very clear about this. It's often misunderstood as stupidity or stubbornness. 
Why don't you just throw in the towel? This is out of control. You're obsessive. You know how many times I've heard that? How about this? It's also seen as narcissism or selfishness. Why do you refuse to give up? Why don't you think about those around you? There's more at stake here than your dreams. How about radicalism or extremism? We hate that in America, right? This is out of control. Your refusal to quit is too extreme. You are out of control. You need to mellow out and be like the rest of us. Pride or arrogance. Your ego is writing checks. Your body can't cash. I just quoted Top Gun, by the way. Are you trying to be famous or something? What is your problem? Are you full of yourself? Worse, grit can be seen and is often seen as a mental disorder. You're, You're insane, man. Come on, get it back under control. What are you doing? Is there something wrong with you? Angela Duckworth, in her book, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance, wrote this. At various points, in big ways or small, we get knocked down. If we stay down, grit loses. If we get up, grit prevails. Based on, her education, based on the educational attainment of high-achieving adults, grade point averages among Ivy League undergraduates, dropout rates of West Point cadets, and U.S. Spell, or National spelling bee, spelling bee Participants, they concluded this, that grit, the stubborn refusal to quit, is a better predictor of success than raw talent or IQ. In other words, you don't have to be the best. You just have to have the grit to outlast the rest. She observed that people who are high in grit are the highest achievers. Grit is a stubborn refusal to quit. It is a mandate for any man or woman who wants to be like Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, he is calling you to grit. Because if you want to be like Jesus, Jesus was a man of grit and endurance. Verse 3 gives us some great advice in starting on the journey to grit. So I'm going to take verse 3 and I want to take you on a journey. Look at this, verse 3. It says this, it says, Consider him. Your stubborn refusal to quit starts with, this is really important, seeing Jesus clearly. It is very easy to accept Jesus into your heart. That's a free gift from God. But to imitate Jesus and the grit that he possessed, that's a whole other level. That takes you counting the cost. Here's, this is really cool to me. Any, I don't know if you're a math person in this room, but this word, this, this word, these two words, consider him, consider him is one word in the Greek. And this word is the only, it's the only mention in the entire New Testament. And it literally is a mathematical term that construction guys use. And it's a term that deals with measuring accurately. So in construction, we have a phrase, and this idiom is measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, cut exactly. Measure twice, cut once. This is very similar. When the Bible says consider him, it's saying, hey, listen, man, take careful measurement and assess Jesus You need to really carefully assess him and see who he is. Is he really who he says he is? 
Several years ago, I broke our pantry door. I'm pretty clumsy. I break things all the time. I broke our pantry door, and I had to measure to get a new one. So we have a Lowe's deal in, in where I live in Oregon. It's like a Home Depot or something. So I had to make these door measurements. So I took the first door, the first door medic measurement was the, the, ver, the, the horizontal measurement. And I, and I was like really careful to measure. I measured like four times because I know how I am. 29 and 7 eighths. And I wrote it in a Sharpie on the door itself. I did the vertical measurement and all was good. I went and walked away a couple weeks, came back. I go, man, I can get that door fixed. So I went out to take the measurements, to read the measurements and go to Lowe's. I look at that 29 and 7 eighths and I go, man, that, 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 what is that? Nobody measures anything in 7 eighths. It's 1 eighth. So I went to the, the guy at Lowe's, Steve, the doorman. I ordered a brand new door. The door came back. I went to install it. It wouldn't close. It was like almost an inch too narrow. So I was like, oh, Steve. So Steve and I are now friends on Facebook because I had to woo him into hooking me up because I had measured the door wrong. Measure twice, cut once. Make a careful assessment. And Jesus said, whoever does not carry his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost? So I'm asking you to calculate the cost this morning. Is Jesus who he said he is? How deeply do you believe that? Do you really think he's the Messiah? Do you really think he asks you to die? Do you really think he asks you to give your whole life to him? Well, let's consider something here. There are over 300 prophecies of Jesus in the Bible before Jesus came to be. Let's look at just eight of those. Just eight. Here we go. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. Messiah's clothes would be gambled away, Zechariah 11, verses 12 and 13. Messiah, um, Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced, Psalm 22.16. Messiah's bones would not be broken, Psalm 34.20. Messiah would be born in the tribe of Judah, Isaiah 37.31. Messiah would be called from Egypt, Hosea 11.1. 1. Messiah would be buried in a rich man's grave, Isaiah 53.9. Do you know that for a man to fulfill all, just those eight of 300 prophecies would be like taking a silver dollar and putting an X on the bottom of it, getting a trillion silver dollars, laying them over 265 thousand square miles, which is all of Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, Mississippi. Get in a helicopter, fly over a random state, close your eyes, reach in and pull out the exact coin. And that is for only eight of the 300 prophecies. So is Jesus who he said he is? I mean, how convinced of you are that, like you guys are like younger than me, right? How convinced are you of that? I mean, would, you, would you give your life for that? Maybe, I don't know. This, we have to be convinced. We have to consider him. Once we have considered him and we have decided that Jesus is Lord and I'm going to follow him, no matter what the cost, with a bullet, a gun to my head, I'm going to do it, even if it costs me my death. Once we get there, we are on our way to grit. The next step we see is a little bit further down on verse 3. Look at it. Consider him who has endured. 
such hostility by sinners against himself. You see, Jesus modeled true grit in life and on the cross. And now, this is, this is just, and now through his Holy Spirit, who is where? Where's the Holy Spirit? In me. I have the Holy Spirit of Jesus in me, whispering to me, never give up. Be stubborn in pursuing my call on your life. Defend me to the death. The Spirit of Jesus is in me, and the character of Jesus, and the grit of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit in you. Growing you in this thing called endurance which is the stubborn refusal to quit. It's not about intelligence. Achieving your dreams is not about intelligence. It's not about talent. It is about grit. Endurance may not be a fruit of the Holy Spirit, but it is the fruit of the man or woman who refuses to quit on their dreams. And it is definitely a characteristic of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Ernest Shackleton wrote a book called Endurance. It's about his fourth expedition, a transit Antarctic expedition, to where they got stranded, the endurance got stranded and destroyed in an ice flow. And his 27 men, for like a year and a half, tried to get back to safety, and not one man died. Ernest Shackleton's family motto was this through endurance we conquer. And it's through, it's through endurance, through grit, through the stubborn refusal to throw in the towel that you would achieve your dreams and become your best version. So I'm from the West and you've heard of Colorado. There is a city in Colorado called Leadville. It's over 10,000 feet in elevation. It is the highest city in America. Every year there's a mountain biking race called the Leadville 100. It's a 100-mile mountain biking race where you climb 15,000 vertical feet. My friend, Alan Schwartz, has done that six times. His last one was at 57 years old. And you may say, oh, whatever, that's not a big deal. Well, Alan, when Alan was in high school, he had a tumor on his intestines, and they had to remove his entire large intestines which makes him highly susceptible to dehydration. A couple years later, another tumor was found on his back. When they went to cut it out, they accidentally severed a nerve, and my friend Alan cannot feel anything from his knee down. In fact, his leg, they call him bone leg, because he's got no muscle. It's just, a, it's just tibia, fibula, and that's it. It's just a bone leg. And he braces his knee into his bike and uses upper his, his thighs to pedal. As he's training for his sixth Leadville 100, my friend Alan got a double hernia. What do you do now? He went on to have his second fastest time ever. How did he do that? Was it his youthful, his youthful zeal? No. Was it his health? No. He did it because of one thing in his life. He's the grittiest human I know. How do you achieve your dreams in life in spite of obstacles? Grit. I'm going to tell you something. Grit, the stubborn refusal to quit. It's how you make a troubled marriage great again. 
Grit is how you fight cancer when the doctors say your chances are slim. Grit is how you continue serving God after you retire. Grit is young adults and teens rejecting the culture's lies and choosing virginity. Grit is how you overcome choices you made before following Jesus to live in victory. Grit is how you find victory and you win in the midst of personal brokenness. Grit is how you battle temptations that defeat you more often than not. Grit is how you get off the ground when life has knocked you down. And with God's help and with the spirit of Jesus, you can achieve the dreams that God has put on your heart through your stubborn refusal to quit. Grit! Here's the reality. You may be sitting here right now and you may say, you know, I've counted the cost. I'm passionate about Jesus. I, my wife tells me I'm stubborn. My husband tells me I'm stubborn. My parents tell me I'm stubborn. I, when I set my mind to doing something, with God's help, I'm going to do it. If you're that person, you are gold in the church. I love the saying, there's gold in them, there are pews. And if you're one of those people serving in the church, you are gold to the kingdom of God. So I want to issue you a warning. The warning is found in verse 3. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary. Stubborn people, gritty people, who refuse to quit are rare commodities in the church and they're in high demand. If you are that person, you need to set a pace that you can finish without flaming out, failing out, or fading out. In Galatians 6, 9, Paul offers this warning. Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Hebrews 10, 23 and 24. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. I'm gonna tell you something I'm ashamed of. In 2019, I was asked to speak at a men's event in Wyoming. There were 20 other men. I was the keynote speaker and I had to do six messages in about a 36 hour period. And the, the apex of this event was climbing the tallest mountain in, in Buffalo, Wyoming's Bighorn Mountains, Cloud Peak, at 13,000 feet in elevation. As I'm climbing this hill with all these young guys, I was the oldest, second oldest guy there, and I was the heaviest guy by about 60 pounds. As I'm climbing this mountain, I notice all the young guys are kind of walking with me. I'm the last guy on the trail. And pretty soon, I'm, I got falling further and further back, and it's getting later and later in the day, and they've got massive lightning storms up there when you get that level. Pretty soon, the oldest guy in the group who had just run a marathon, who's an ER doctor, walked up and he goes, turn around, you're going back. He, he made me willingly, I willingly threw in the towel. I quit. The keynote speaker gave up. I walked back out. It was a 32-mile deal. I walked back out with my emotional tail between my legs because I threw in the towel. So I decided I was going to go back in 2020. But I needed a coach. Do you know who I chose? Bone leg. Alan Schwartz trained me. 
picked him because he has grit. He stubbornly refuses to quit. And I'm going to be really honest with you this morning. And this may sting a little, but you'll be all right. When I see the disturbing rates of divorce that are as high inside the church as outside, I see at least one couple, one person in that marriage who has no grit. When I see men embittered towards a wayward child who they refuse to forgive, I see someone who lacks grit. When I see young guys and gals ignoring the biblical principles of obedience in order to have sex before they're married and live with their girlfriends outside of marriage, I see people who do not have grit. When I see a man who has given up on the local church because someone hurt his feelings, I see a man who lacks grit. When I see an anonymous man who sits in church and hides behind his wife's skirt and never serves or gives, I see a man who lacks grit. When I see a lazy person who surrendered to gluttony and being obese, I see a person who lacks, lacks grit. When I see someone who refuses to fight for their dreams, I see a person who lacks grit. People of grit refuse to throw in the towel. They continue to fight. Listen, you know that idiom, don't beat a dead horse? Whoever said it's a quitter. You beat that horse and pray that God resurrects it. You beat, that, you beat that horse. You stay in that marriage. You love that wayward kid. You support that pastor. You get involved in that church. You impact your community. You live your life after retirement, Mr. Blankenship. Thank you for that example last night. You do these things. That's what people of grit do. They never give up because they stubbornly refuse to quit. But here's what I'll tell you. That person who serves and gives in the local church, that gold that's in them, our pews, I want to warn you, be careful that you do not grow weary. Well, let me rephrase that. You will grow weary. It's part of serving God. But you have to regulate your weariness and set a pace that you can finish strong because if you don't, you could be in danger to the greatest fatality of them all when good men and women who have a tremendous heart for God get weary and their endurance begins to crumble and their grit turns to sand. And verse three says, they grow weary and lose heart. A man or woman in the church who has lost heart is the greatest tragedy I've ever seen in the church. The loss of heart is heartbreaking, but it's a reality. When we throw in the towel short of the summit, we tap out short of the victory, we walk away before the church explodes, we reject the local church, we've lost heart. Men and women of Boone's Chapel, Protect your heart at all costs. Men, protect your wife's heart at all costs. Women, protect your husband's heart at all costs. Protect your heart. When Jesus has your heart, your head and your hands will follow. When you lose heart, your head droops, your hands throw in the towel, and you give up. COVID hit, 
trying to train for this cloud, this cloud going back to Wyoming, right? Couldn't do it. So I thought, I need to do something that's bigger than that. So I picked the third pick, tallest mountain in Oregon. I can stay in my state. I grabbed my middle son, Darby, because when all in doubt, he could be my Sherpa. I said, hey, buddy, can, can, we need to climb the South Sister. Cloud Peak is a 3,500 elevation gain. The South Sister is a 5,500 feet elevation gain. 13 miles, six and a half out, six and a half back. Same distance as Cloud Peak, 2,000 square feet, 2,000 feet higher in elevation. So my son and I took off, and it was hard. I was by far the oldest guy in the mountain. We saw about 200 people. I was by far the biggest guy in the mountain, and I was probably the slowest guy in the mountain. And I struggled. Darby's like, hey, Dad, give me your food. Hey, Dad, give me your water. So I'm grinding. I got my trekking poles. I'm grinding it. We left at 5.30 in the morning, and by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, with 50-mile-an-hour winds, I summited. And I think we have a picture. This is one of the greatest events My son said, I've never seen you, Dad, struggle so much in my life. That was awesome. You made it. I'd never seen you struggle so much in my life. And you made it. Grit. That's the only thing that got me up that mountain. And that's what will get me up the mountain of manhood. And that's what's going to get me up the mountain of marriage. It's grit. If you want to achieve your dreams and you want to stand on top of the mountain, whatever that mountain may be, through your love of Jesus, imitating his biblical virtue of endurance, I beg you, Never give up. Never give up. Our ministry is named after a speech that Teddy Roosevelt gave in 1910 called the men in the arena. And I think it really symbolizes grit because we want our men to get out of the bleachers into the arena to be gritty, tough, enduring, and never give up. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done them better The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again. But there's no effort without error or shortcoming, but who actually strives to do the deeds who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place will never be numbered with those cold and timid souls who know neither death nor defeat. Does your marriage need a victory this morning? Do you need a miracle? Do you have a wayward son or daughter?
and you need God to give them a miracle? Do you have a friend who needs a miracle? Do you have a career that you're trying to go to that next level? Is there a ministry in this church that God is calling you to? Single, young singles, is there a purity that God is asking you to hold off until until you meet that one person? What is it for you? I don't know your story, but I know this. We can't get there except through the love of Jesus and the grit that he offers through his son, right? Through G, that Jesus offers us, which is the stubborn refusal to quit. So I say you hang on until God does that miracle in Jesus' name. I want to ask the band to come up. And as the band comes up, I'm just going to ask you to do something this morning. Will you all stand with me? First thing I want to ask you to do, if you're here today and you've got a son or daughter who's hurting or a friend who's hurting or somebody who really is getting ready to throw the towel in, I'm going to ask you to come up and be, stand in the gap for them and just kneel here at the wall, the altar, and just take some time and lift them up. I would beg you to do that today, just to come on down. It's like some people say that's a walk of shame. I call that the walk of fame right there. You come down and you, make a, you come and stand in the gap. Maybe you're here today and you've got a marriage that's in trouble. Or maybe you have a life that's in trouble. Or maybe you have a son or a daughter who's in trouble. Just come down. I want to give you an easy win today. Just come down and say, God, I give it to you. That's your victory. Because remember, guys, the blood of Jesus is our victory. So I want to come down and say, God, I want to offer myself to you and I want to trust in the blood of Jesus. God, will you do a work in me? Will you give me the grit and the stubborn refusal to quit? So you come, Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. We pray that you'd work mightily in our hearts. Help us to be men and women of grit who endure you or who, who have your enduring characteristics, God. Who take that towel, wipe the sweat off our brow, tears out of our eyes, the blood off our lips, and keep pressing into the dreams that you've called us to, in Jesus' name. Hey guys, we want you to head on over to minintherena.org and pick up your free book from Jim, and, and when you're there, leave us a positive review for the podcast. You can just click on the Contact Us link, and if you do that, we'll send you some swag. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins.
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.